With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald, I host of Money Making Conversation Masterclass. The interviews and information this show provides are for everyone. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start living your own. My guest is Kim Whitley. She's an HBCU graduate, activist, author, comedian, and most importantly, a mom. Kim was born in Cleveland, Ohio, and I found out raised in Sudan, Africa. See, we, we got to talk, we got to talk, we got to talk. Her success in Hollywood started with me as a clown. You know, that's all I knew. Then I found out through more research, a Compton school teacher. We will discuss her career outside of acting, the legacy of our dear friend, uh, David Arnold, the WGA strike, SAG strike, and its impact on everybody's career. Because I'm a member of SAG. I'm a member of WGA. Please welcome the Money Made Conversation Masterclass. Headlining stand-up comedian, Kim Whitley. How you doing, Kim? <laughs> What's up, Rashawn? How are you? That is so funny. Look, boy, look how people make money. Now, your studio didn't look like this last time I was on here. Oh, you got a chair <laughs> and a little monitor. I mean, it is fancy. You got people behind you. This is too much. And I still got this same raggedy background. I got to get it together. <laughs> hey, Kim, upgrading, trying to I do like my it. thing. You know, and... Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. But you know, you're behind me, though. You see I right there? You see, do you no, see wait, Yeah, I love it. Look at that. I look. I love that. Oh, the picture on the... Oh, yeah, I better be on that that thing. Absolutely. One of the originals. You know, when I first started Money Made Conversation, you call your friends. You call the people you trust, people who believe in you. And uh, she didn't hesitate. She's never hesitated. And I've always been there for her. Yes. And I've always been there in a position to be able to promote the things that she value important in her life. And uh, it's been a blessing. And but we all know that right now, at the time of this interview, we're right in the middle of a WGA and a SA uh, SAG strike. And like I said earlier, I'm a member of both. And um, I went on your social media, and I saw Miss the Emmy Award-winning Shirley Ralph uh, talking about the importance of why this strike should happen, the importance of standing strong, and the importance of being a team. Um, I've seen. Uh, uh, social media posts of you out there uh, standing in the strike. And it's hot out there. Oh. It, it ain't a cold experience. It, you know, it, it, it's not fun out there. So if you could just educate before we just get into Kim and the, the things that you're involved, the way, especially the podcast and the stand-up coming, talk about the strike because I have some ideas I want to share with my audience because I don't think it's fair what's happening to writers, what's happening to actors, especially on the residual side. 
Kim, the floor oh, is yours. Oh, I thank you so much. Uh, absolutely. And of course, you know, I forget, Rashawn. You know, you your career has been so long. I forget you used to be the writer and the producer. I forget that you used to be yes. a stand-up. Like, you have traveled this whole journey with us, and you know exactly what we go through. And the right. strike was here before, 2008. Uh, we've done this before. Uh, that's probably when you were definitely out here, um, uh, you know, writing right. and producing. And the first strike, I was a young actress, so I already was broke. And I already probably had, you know, I remember probably having, you know, a, a regular job and trying to be an actress. But I also, right, yeah, I was right. on the picket line and helping because even if you're not in SAG or in the unions, even as a writer, people who are are striving to be that, they walk with us, they strike with us because they want those things. And what has happened is a lot of actors, including myself, I checked on mine yesterday, live on residuals. And what people have to understand... Right. Say that one more time. Those residuals. Residuals, is there, that's what you live on in between jobs. And I want uh, the world to understand that you think movie stars, that is the 1%. Everyone else mm -hmm. is working just like you, paycheck to paycheck. And so the residuals are the small checks that come in between. Every time a show is shown on another network or it's a repeat, we get a little chunk, just a little chunk, but it's enough to pay a light bill. It's enough to feed our children. So when they stop paying those residuals, everyone will perish. And I, and I, I mean, this, this craft will be done. The writers will be done. The actors will be done because that is the majority of the people. And you have to realize that without writers, you can't have actors because actors right. are not, we're using the words of the writers. And if you allow this AI mm -hmm. to, to happen, it won't be good. We have to understand those are computers coming up with scripts. They're not going to be creative. They're not going to be different. You will see things repeated over and over. And then you will see me on every show in the same shirt, the same hairstyle, Doing some words from a robot. We that that is the main thing that we are fighting for. Yeah, and I want to just give my background yes. because I started writing in '93. Uh, Steve Harvey gave me my first shot on ABC, my first writer job. And I believe when they when they when I got that contract, I actually looked around and go, "They're giving me this <laughs> right." And because it, you know, and, and also from a minority standpoint, it was very few African American or people of color getting jobs as yes. a writer. Let alone Absolutely. act. Absolutely. Like so now. Steve got his job. Now, like now. Now, I, I explained this to George Wallace because I wanted to tell everybody from my perspective. When I got my first writing job, we're talking 93, I was hired to do 22 episodes. 22 episodes, write 22 episodes or be a part of 22 episodes that were going to be produced. And they produced them one a week, one a week. Then they take a break, one a week, one a week. Listen to me when I say that. And then we got, we started in June and we worked to March. So that meant that April, May, June, July, you know, we had like basically three months because March was off, April off, May. And so we come back to work mm -hmm. in June. And so that allowed me to actually have a job where the checks were being paid, pay rent, pay food. If I paid a little vacation, medical insurance yep. was being paid. Now that don't work like that. 
They ordered eight episodes. They ordered 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. And then Tyler Perry figured out a way to double up. And not saying negative thing about Tyler Perry. I'm just saying the way the production has changed. You're doing a series of 24 episodes in two weeks. And those are dramas. That's what he was able to accomplish basically during the uh, COVID. And so that means that people who are cameramen, people who are caterers, people who are grips, people who are in stage production, who normally will have worked roughly four months to a minimum, are not working weeks, less than a month. And so then you take away the residual, like you said, that becomes a big problem for us all. And I really wanted to get that out on both sides of this table because people need to understand that we want to be out there. We want to write. We want to. But what's happening is streaming is in the from an acting standpoint is treating us like they did the music artists. Mm. In other words, wow. they would do the audio. The actors, singers would get paid. The publicists, they get a check, and the and the, and the writers would get a check. In the same situation here, they're just giving out flat fees. They pay you this. There's no future. They don't care how many times they run it. And it's in this exact situation is that, for instance, um, uh, uh, Insecure just got sold from HBO to Netflix. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying is all these big companies are doing business. If you're not involved, then you're just sitting on the sideline just struggling. 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 And that's really what it is, correct, Absolutely Kim? Absolutely sitting there struggling. People have to understand. And there's the, the grips and the customers uh, that they can go from gig to gig because they're doing the work for another show. Uh, and they can go. They might not get residuals. We're talking about the crew. But when there's a strike, everyone right. suffers. And if you're in a city yeah. like New York and Los Angeles, the majority of the city is made up of these people. Los Angeles is right. made up of everyone it takes to make a movie and a TV show because you have all the grips, the craft services, mm-hmm. you have the restaurants that feed us. It's all these people. So when a strike happens, now the, the mayor even is like, I got to get involved because the economy is going bad. Right. You're going to have, we already have a homeless problem. We're going to have even a bigger homeless problem. So people have to get involved right. to talk to these studios to say, hey, enough is enough. You're messing with the economy. So it's 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 right. a big deal. You know, it's really you 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 tapped into something. I'm gonna tell you something. I've lived in New York. I lived in Houston. I lived in uh, Chicago. Lived in currently live in Atlanta. The homeless situation in Los Angeles is crazy. You think you got a homeless problem? Go, Go to, to LA. LA. Come on out it here. It is ridiculous. Huh? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, and it, and you're just saying right now. This particular strike can only compound the situation and make things even worse. And I just wanted to bring that up because of the fact that, you know, you and I are both involved in the industry. We both play a major role in, you know, entertaining people. We've been entertaining people all our lives. And it's important that you are appreciated, not, you know, looked down upon because they see, you know, uh, Kevin Hart, big deal, or they see Wesley, uh, they'll see, you know, my man, uh, uh, Denzel Washington's big deal, or Samuel Jackson's big deal, or Bradley Cooper's big deal. That ain't the oh, everyday. No, no, no. Let's really go break it down, Rashawn. Billy Porter. <laughs> Billy Porter, who is a huge actor, he is right. has to sell his house because 
of this strike. So we have to think about Billy Porter might not be Denzel, but he is definitely at a level that he was making a certain amount of money to pay for. It might have been a new house. I don't know. But he was very upset and he voiced it. Uh, So we got to think about the people. They are the, the very top, top. And then there are the ones in the middle, and then there are our everyday, even our background actors who only get $100 uh, to do right. a show maybe a day or something like that. Let me shift the gears here. This, You know, when you know somebody for a long time, you know they're talented. Kim Whitley is one of those people where before she started being as talented as she is a stand-up comic, people will always call me and say, Rashawn, uh, who you recommend to be a funny host? I said, Kim Whitley. She knows I'm telling the truth. I said, Kim Whitley, Kim Whitley. I knew she wasn't there as a stand-up, but she was just gifted. I mean, she walked out on stage, nothing bothered her. I remember when we was in uh, Bermuda and with Earth, Wind, oh and Fire. God. She was like, remember oh that? <laughs> and, I, and, they, and the promoter said, who do you recommend to come out there and host? I said, Kim Whitley, Kim Whitley. And uh, she came out, because I always knew there was something about you. First of all, you're not afraid of anything. And then, but the fact that I just knew, I'm talking about that audience, you know, because it was like about 10,000 people standing oh, at yeah. you in Bermuda. I loved it. And the headlining was Earth, Wind, and Fire. Well, Remember, that, it was Earth, Wind, and Fire was headlining. David Arnold came with me. Was that him? Yes. And then remember uh, Anthony Hamilton yep. was there, Steve Harvey. We were all right. there. Remember? Oh, Smokey and, Robinson. Uh, that was so exciting. That, <laughs> did you remember that? Because Gladys not. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. (laughs) Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to catch you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I was hanging yeah. out. She came on the sideline. And then Lil Miss Kim Whitley out there hosting this big old event. And 
I said, come, and she came, they paid it, she did everything. Please don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. Patti LaBelle is an award-winning singer and actress who has been called the godmother of soul. She started her career in the 60s and is still on top of her game as an entertainer and businesswoman. So when Patti LaBelle speaks, you should listen. I noticed since I've been performing for 56 years, I've touched so many people just when I hug them or when I smile or say something positive to them. Don't cost you nothing to be a lifter of people. It's natural for me. I was born with this. I'm a total giver. It don't cost me nothing to give what God has given me. So I give it and with a smile on my face. And uh, as I said, I'm 76. Whenever I go on stage, I get this great feeling from the audience that they're pleased to be with me that night. And I'm going to give them something special. If you want to hear this full interview with Patti LaBelle, visit MoneyMakerConversation.com. Keep winning. Welcome back to the Money Making Conversations Masterclass, hosted by Rashawn McDonald. When did you start getting the stand-up bug? Was that the early days, just walking out there? When did you start putting the thoughts or, or the seeds of being a stand-up? I mean, we could really be transparent here because you're my guy, and I probably should have called you a long time ago. This is <laughs> the truth. Is this? There's always fear. But I don't want the audience to think right. there's fear because if the audience thinks you're afraid, they're not going to ride with you. You have to be fearless right. and go out there and, and, and be free. And it's interesting. I've always, you know, like that improv stand up and just talking to people I've loved. But when you put people think anyone can do stand up, you can't. You, it really is an art to stand up. And I started writing uh, things down, like right when that movie um, Harlem Nights was out. And I had this little pad right, of right. paper. Delores. The pad of paper might have been like this big, you know. And I used to write down little mm -hmm. things that I thought. I might have had three, four jokes. And I met Red Fox and uh, Ronaldo wow. Ray and, and uh, Richard Pryor and, of course, Eddie Murphy. And... The truth is, I've always had, I have a funny family, and I grew up with all boys. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they were joning on me all the time. And, you no. know, <laughs> uh, during that movie, I was, the, I was the guardian of the little boy in the movie because my friend, his father, who was an actor, couldn't make it that, that day. He said, Kim, can you go to set? And I remember walking around a corner, and Ronaldo Ray, you know, Ronaldo Ray, trying to be funny. There were no chairs, and mm -hmm. Eddie Murphy and, and, and Richard Pryor and, and, of course, Red Fox were sitting in those director's chairs. And I went around, you know, in the set. I went around one of those corners, and I saw these greats. And, and I was so nervous. I jumped. I was like, oh, my God. I went around the wrong corner. Like, how do I get, you know, I was like, oh, my God, can I backpedal? And Ronaldo Ray looked at me and was like, hey, little girl, you know. He says, as long as I got a face, you got somewhere to sit. Oh, no. He said that in front of all of no. them. But you know, Kim from Cleveland, and I remember looking at him and saying, and as long as you got a face like that, I guess I'll be standing. And all <laughs> I know is Red Fox spit his coffee, or it was Richard Pryor. They jumped out their seats. Ronaldo Ray was red. He was mad. I was in a sheer panic. And 
Red Fox oh came up to me and said, are you a stand-up? And I said, I said, no, but I want to be. And he said, get 10 minutes of material together and I'll help you. And uh, he said, I'm tired of seeing these ugly be funny. That's what he said to me. I was like, <laughs> he said, he said, you're pretty funny. And 10 minutes for Sean as a stand-up. You, a new stand I was like, 10 minutes? Um, and right. I, I was scared because my mother was like, sex and rock and roll in L.A. And I didn't know, I was right. not hungry enough or I was not fearless to say, give me your number, let's go. Didn't do it. Red right. Fox mm-hmm. died. Mm-hmm. The day he died, he died. <laughs> I went out and did my first three minutes of stand-up because I felt like I missed an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it pushed mm-hmm. me in that direction. And I'm still not where I should be, uh, Rashawn. In that... I'm going to tell you something. I know you may not be... Because, you know, you always strive. You're always striving for the ultimate joke. That's when you're, you're, you're a comedian. Because there's a lot of people going to say, they, just, they think they're funny, they get off stage, they walk off stage like they've done something. Now, I had a blessing to see Sherry Shepard and her on tour, several dates in the Northeast. And um, I, you know, because when you had not saw somebody in a long time, and then you see them perform at the level that she was performing, I was like, taken aback in a good way. And I told her, I said, girl, you're a stand-up, for real. And you really didn't accept that. Like, what? Because you thought I was just I was just saying something to speak with. But you really have, that's what I'm saying. I'm just trying to get, when did it turn? When did it click that this is what you could do as a stand-up? Because as an actress, you're phenomenal. But as a stand-up, that's a whole different, no script. Audience don't know you. You have to, every certain amount of seconds, you got to generate some type of positive response, whether it's a laugh or a clap or a go girl or whatever. That's a certain fear that you have to overcome. And you know when it clicked? When my dear friend, the late, great David Arnold, we went on tour together Mm -hmm. and I was forced to do stand-up. So what David said was, Kim, we're going to use your celebrity to get in these clubs Right, that's what it was, right? I was like, I don't want, I'm an improv stand-up. I don't like doing the same material. That was the biggest thing to get over. I like talking. He said, Kim, to be a stand-up, you have to repeat the joke. And I didn't even like listening to my own right. voice. So I had to get over that. And we would book the date, so I was forced. And David and David was, we have a running joke. We had a running joke that I complained. I quit before every show. I was like, I quit. I can't, I can't do it. Two shows a night. Uh, thir- uh, one show Thursday, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, and one show Sunday. Right. Woo! Right. In these clubs, I was like, "Oh, that's a lot of work and lazy." So David, he said, "I'm gonna, we're going to use your celebrity to get me in these clubs, so they'll know me. They don't know me. The radio station never gave him headphones to talk, and they were always him with <laughs> this. What people don't understand? He was the heavy. I was the name." So I would get them. So I would, we would do these clubs. We'd have a person bring us up. I would do first 20 minutes and then I would introduce them because I always said, I'm Diana Ross. This is my Michael Jackson coming to the stage. But what they don't realize <laughs> is I was bringing him up to close because I knew he was going to take it home. And then we went right, up right, together right. and we cut a fool. So that's when it happened. When I really started developing my act, we did He Said, She Said. And um, y'all did it for a number of yes. years, right? 
We did. And then he he got so strong and so popular, he was going back to the uh, club, selling out and adding shows. I was like, really, you just going to leave me? You just going to leave me, huh? And he Yes, did. he did. Because I, cause it was so funny because, you know, when, he, when I saw his first Netflix film, we talked about David Arnold, and it was shot in Cleveland. And then I saw Kim Whitley. I said, what's going on here? And then I called you. I said... David Arnold was incredible. I said, can you give me his number? So I call it, and I called him, and I just, and he just couldn't believe I called him. He said, Rashawn, you calling me? I said, yeah, dude, I got to tell you, man, you funny, brother. I said, can I interview? He said, yeah, you can interview me. And it was, it was a blessing, I think, when I look at the whole relationship that you and him had. Okay, he was smart enough to realize, look, I don't nobody know me, but I'm funny. Yes. They know her. But she needs to understand, put in, she can be even more funny. So he gifted you with the work that now you're taking advantage yes. of. Because you got a closing bit that you do on stage, oh, girl, as a killer. I'll tell y'all something. I ain't going to tell y'all something. But first, her whole set is beautiful. The whole set's beautiful. And, and, and as a, as a stand-up, and I watch for women to do stand-up is even more difficult. It's more difficult. For Sia... Young lady who is came into the acting game and then went on stage, gifted improv person, and then David said, Look, stop. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna end this right now. You let Red Fox go. We're gonna we're gonna make it happen right mm. now. And then all of a sudden you're blessed, and now during the strike, you're able to generate revenue for yourself as a stand-up comedian, correct? Absolutely, Rashawn. You're hitting that one on the head because since we can't do any uh, performance for TV, we are definitely, I, you know, I, I'm just like, it's 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 happening. I have uh, Virginia Beach coming up on September 8th through the 9th at the uh, Funny Bone. And then I have Bethesda, Maryland with Sherry, you know, our uh, two funny mamas on October 28th. And uh, Atlanta Comedy Theater, uh, November 24th. Uh, I mean, November uh, 2nd to the 4th at the Atlanta Comedy Theater. I can't I was like... So you coming down to Atlanta? Like, did I take that gig? <laughs> I did. That's what I got to say. I got to be okay. forced. I got to be forced. Atlanta Comedy Theater, November well, 2nd through the 4th. And let me tell you why, Rashawn, it's so difficult uh, for me. It is, mm -hmm. I'm trying to ask her... Um, uh, it's difficult for me because I go back to the old Kim that I don't like hearing right. the same jokes. Do I sit down and write right. new jokes? No. Do I need to hire a joke writer? Yes. Mm -hmm. And my stories, and I have lots of jokes, I don't take the... I need new stuff to keep me excited on stage. That's what I need. Right. So a lot of it comes out when I play right. with the audience and I improv and have fun. But I really am looking forward to building some stories. And the, and the truth is this, in order to have stories, you have to live life. You have to have adventures. Right. You got to take chances. Right. You know, you got to, right. yeah, I got to go travel and say, oh, when I went to Africa, let me tell y'all what happened. Because it's, you, people want to hear about your life and, and things that happen. And, and Joshua stories, my son, I, they're like, you don't talk about Joshua in your standup. And, and people always ask me, and I was like, I don't find nothing funny about that little boy. <laughs> just <laughs> agitated. Just bitter mama. I'm mad at him all the time. So I'm trying to turn. Well, see, right there. That, that's, a, that's a gift. 
Right when she said that, I'm telling you, the brilliance of people who are funny, when she said that, that made me laugh. Because once she, that's what I'm saying, she's so young in the game. That's why I know she can be 80 years old and she can still gonna be making people laugh. Because one day gonna really click in that she's just funny. And that as a comedian, two plus two really is four. And when she said that, ain't nothing funny about that boy. Right there, I'm laughing hard because she was funny and she just spoke because she's so brilliant in the way we've seen her on, on so many um, scripted shows at HBO with David. You know, you that that was a big blow up for you in in, in just being improv and being African American and being featured in that way. That was huge. Please don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass. Let me tell you about the host of Money Making Conversations, Rushan McDonald. He's a social media influencer. 80% of his 1 million plus social media followers are female. Rushan's a two-time Emmy Award winner, three-time NAACP Image Award winner, sitcom writer, stand-up comic, and former IBM executive. And he has a degree in mathematics. More importantly, Rushan McDonald will interview his business and celebrity relationships to empower you with tips to succeed in your career that you can only hear in the Money Making Conversations Masterclass Show. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. (laughs) Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to catch you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Programming is made possible in part by support from 3815 Media, led by Emmy and NAACP Image Award-winning television producer, Rashawn McDonald. 
3815 Media offers social media management, podcast production, designs logos, and develops websites. Additional services include brand management and career development consulting services. More information is available at 470-688-3815 or via email at info at 3815media.com. Keep winning. HBCUs represent Black excellence. If you attend or are an alumnus of an HBCU, we want to hear about your story. The My HBCU Story Digital Library will allow current HBCU students and alumni to share their stories. More information is available at hbcucollegeday.com. You can upload a photo. The photo can be recent or from when you attended your HBCU. More information is available at hbcucollegeday.com. Welcome back to the Money Making Conversations Masterclass, hosted by Rashawn McDonald. But you're like, the funny part before we wrap up this interview is a couple of stories I got to say to her that I didn't know, okay? Because, you know, you read people's bio, and, you, and then because of the strike, we were limited on talking about movies she's in, a TV show she's starring in. So Rashawn had to dig deep, deep. Born in Cleveland, raised in Sudan, Africa. How? Right. How? That's what people are like. How did that happen? You know, yes. well, it's interesting. I, I'm so glad it did happen because I have that part of my life. My father is an architect, had an architectural right. firm. But back in the day, when he first started, my father worked for a company, um, Dalton & Dalton, and they were building schools in Africa. And they sent over a black family, a white family, and an Asian family. I swear, it's the craziest thing. It was the the Thalers, who we're still friends with, and the Maidmans. So, and they had, so we went to Sudan, and it was an amazing experience. Because I remember as soon as we moved in, there was a spider. I swear the spider was this big on the wall. Maybe because I was a kid, but it was this huge spider. But that's how it happened. We, my father was building schools in Sudan. And, and um, I know my parents said, you know, once you get to high school, uh, we got to leave because they didn't have high schools, American high schools there. Right. But I had an English right. uh, nursery school teacher that American wreck where we would go over and do all the American holidays. But I wasn't there. Like, what happened was there was a civil war and all the wow. Americans had to get out. When I tell you, we left our dog in the yard with a bone. That's all I remember. I was like, this is horrible. Because we got the dog from another family that, that had to move. You know, they brought families in. And they gave us the dog. The dog right. was mean. We couldn't get that dog for two weeks. We had to leave him on a leash and send food over with a stick. But it became the best dog ever. But when we left, we had to leave the dog. And we had to put our stuff on a ship and get it back to America. But in between that time, my parents said, well, you know what? Let's travel Europe. Because we 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 can't be wow. we had somebody living in a house, so we can't go back. It, it was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> that's that's a lot on that story. And then I did some more research, ladies and gentlemen. See, see, whenever I've interviewed Kim, it always starts on parenthood when I cast her as a guy. <laughs> That's what that was with face on. They want to kiss. Face on. That's hey, where the all right now. Let's face on. Right now, bitch, you face on. Want to kiss me now? Face on, love. They want to kiss my girl. It was true. Okay, because she was a class. 
Okay. Now, he was tripping. Now, that's where we always start the interview. Then I do a little research and find out in Compton, she was a school teacher. Now, Compton, 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 gangster rap, every time you look up drive-by shooting, who were you teaching and how fast did you get out of Compton to be an actress? You, you know what? It's so funny <laughs> because, you know, I didn't know. I uh, That was my first when I came to Los Angeles. I was like, I got a degree. And when you have a degree, I was like, oh, I can get certain jobs. I was like, I could be a teacher. And my girlfriend, right. Carla, who went to Fisk with me, she was a teacher, so she got me a job. And do you understand right. another great experience? Because Compton was not like you think Compton is. These, these, that's right. the thing. Compton gets a right. bad name. And I right. was teaching in schools where these children needed me. They, they, you definitely go in there and, and the principals used to call me the general. So I was a substitute teacher and they would call me and we got to call the general for this class because the teachers, they, these kids, they was a mess now, uh, but they would scare these teachers off. And you know what I'm talking about, what kind of teachers, they would scare them off. Honey, Miss Whitney came in, everybody scared me off. I wrote my name on the board and then I broke three yardsticks on the table. That's what I did to start the class off. They was like, oh, she crazy. Oh, she crazy. <laughs> Baby, we became the best friends because what we did is wasn't pull your books out. Let's do this. I said, let's talk about what's going on. Let's have a good, let's just talk about why you are scaring off these teachers. And, and we just really bonded. The parents loved me. There were some children I would teach during the summer. Uh, one lady was like, if, you, if I do your hair for free, could you teach my daughter how to read? Baby, she said wow. after that happened, her daughter flourished because the daughter was acting up. So I really took a special interest in her. And just all the children, some of them lived in a house with a lot of people. You know, there was Hispanic kids and black kids. And so they didn't sleep at night. A lot of them didn't get enough food. So I made sure I had extra food for some. And then some, I would let them sleep during class because they didn't get to sleep that night. So it was a lot going on. But uh, I, I treasure that experience. Wow. She's my good friend. She's a stand-up extraordinary. You know, we didn't even talk about the podcast. We didn't talk about the... Yeah, we've been talking about everything. But Because I, I had to get the Sudan right. talk in. I, I, I was not going to get off the show not talking about competent school teaching days in Sudan. So, I'm sorry, audience. Rashawn had to ask some things he never asked. The great, incredible stand-up comedian. Give him that tour schedule again before we leave. Oh, Tour schedule, Atlanta Comedy Theater, November 2nd through the 3rd. Uh, Virginia Beach Funny Bone will be on September 8th through the 9th. Bethesda, Maryland at the Bethesda Blues and Jazz Club with me and Sherry will be October 28th. So uh, follow She's me on funny. Instagram and all social media, KYM, Whitley across the board. I love you, and uh, we talk soon. Again, the incredible Kim Whitley took time to talk to us on Money Making Conversation Masterclass. Rashawn McDonald, that's Kim Whitley. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Money Making Conversations Masterclass. Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald is produced by 3815 Media Inc. More information about 3815 Media Inc. is available at 3815media.com. And always remember to lead with your gifts.
Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Hi, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.